When they told me that we're uh, going through the Old Testament in the summer, I said, oh, awesome. What Bible character would I like to preach on? And I thought, what Bible character would be better to preach on than one that is the most near and dear to my heart? The character of Jacob. <laughs> right? So um, I get to preach uh, a sermon on myself today. Oh, I, my, I, everybody calls me Jake, but my, my given name is Jacob, and so this is uh, all about uh, the life of Jacob, and I'm excited because I've never preached a sermon on myself. Um, so this is exciting. I'm not sure how much you know about the character of Jacob in the Bible, um, but he's a cool dude. Uh, he's pretty well known. Um, so I thought, you know what, let's start out by just giving a little summary of the character of Jacob. Um, he was born uh, in Southern California to parents Dennis and Judy. Uh, I'm just kidding. That's, that would be me. Um, no, the real summary of the character of Jacob in the Bible spans 24 chapters in Genesis, starting with chapter 25 all the way to chapter 49. And so the, uh, the story starts with Jacob being born as a second-born twin. Now, I'm, I'm married to a second-born twin. Um, my wife, Jennifer, is a second-born twin. And there's something about second-born twins because it's like they're born on the same day, and it's like minutes apart, but you're still the second born. And ironically, when Jacob was born, his brother Esau came out first. And they, it says that Jacob came out grasping Esau's heel, which is why he was given the name Jacob, because it says the literal name Jacob means grasping the heel, which later uh, is translated as deceiver. And you'll find out why. So he's born the second-born twin, um, and uh, his brother is this super hairy, red-headed, skillful hunter guy. He, like, he's this outdoorsman. Uh, he's the guy that uh, goes to the outdoor store all the time. He's, like, browsing the latest hunting equipment. This guy is Mr. Outdoors. And ironically, when I grew up, we had a dog, and the dog's name was Bunker, and he was red, obviously hairy, because he was a dog. And my parents named his middle name of the dog as Esau, which is kind of funny. I remember that growing up. Like, Bunker Esau was our red-headed dog um, after Jacob's brother. So, so Esau is this hunter guy. He's hairy all over the place. He's redheaded. Um, he's this rough and tough guy. Now, Jacob, it says, this cracks me up. It says, Jacob was content to stay home in the tents. What does that tell you? He was a mama's boy, okay? He was content to stay in the tents. He didn't go out hunting. He was not hairy. He was this, like, very soft skin. He was just... Uh, you're very docile guy. So they, are, they couldn't be more different. In fact, uh, she was, uh, her, their mother, Rebecca, uh, 
was uh, told when she was pregnant that you're, you have two warring nations in your belly. So that's kind of how it started. Isaac and Rebekah are Jacob's parents. So um, what happens is uh, Esau is obviously always the firstborn. So one day Esau's out hunting like he normally does. And he was super hungry. Have you ever been so hungry? Like, I'll give anything for something. I mean, I'll just take anything. So this is how Esau, he was like famished. He comes into the tent <laughs> where Jacob is. And Jacob's cooking a nice little meal, probably with his mother. And Esau goes, give me something to eat. I'm starving to death. And Jacob goes, hmm, really? How bad do you want to eat? If you give me your firstborn birthright, I'll give you something to eat. He says, like, I don't care. Take it, whatever. I'm so hungry. Give me something to eat. So he gives him the food. And Jacob's like, all right. I got the first. And back in those days, the firstborn birthright is a big deal. Okay. So he cons him out of his birthright. Then his father... Isaac is on his deathbed, and Isaac says to Esau, I'm getting ready to die. I want to give you my blessing. Okay, back in these Bible times, giving the blessing, the father giving the blessing to the firstborn child is a big deal also because it's one of those things where once it's given, it's... uh, it's like a pronoun- it's, it's like a profound uh, pronouncement that says, "This is what I'm giving you as as God's mouthpiece as your blessing." Okay, so Isaac is saying, "Esau, I want to give you your firstborn blessing. Go out, kill something for me, <laughs> cook up my favorite meal, and then I will give you my blessing." So Jacob's mother, Rebecca overhears this and goes, hey, Jacob, this is our chance, okay? Now, it's ironic that Jacob's name means deceiver. Really, it should be his mother's <laughs> name should be deceiver because his mother concocts this plan that says, hey, let's trick dad into giving you the blessing because Jacob's the mama's boy, right? She kind of wants him to kind of get, get more of the goods, so they concoct this whole plan. He, they kill a goat. She, mom cooks up the meal. They, uh, she finds Esau's clothes, puts Esau's clothes on Jacob, gets the goat skin, puts it on his arm so he seems like he's hairy because his skin's off. In fact, when he comes in, he's like, let me touch you because he's blind. Okay, forgot to that part. Isaac's blind by this point, getting ready to die. So he comes in and he, and he says, I want to touch you. Who are you? He goes, you sound like Jacob, but you feel like Esau. This is really strange. So he's like, yep, it's me, Esau. And so he gives him the meal and um, Jacob, or Isaac gives Jacob the blessing. Right about that time, he's kind of exiting the tent. Esau comes back with his kill going, all right, Dad, I'm ready to cook you your meal. Here you go. And Jacob goes, what? I just 
gave my blessing. And Esau's like, no, isn't there another blessing you can give me? He's like, nope, sorry, one and done. So Esau's, he's already got conned out of his birthright. Now he got conned out of his blessing. And so Esau is steaming mad. And he's like, as soon as my dad dies, because I don't want to do anything before, I'm going to kill my brother. This is, this is the last straw. Once again, Mama Rebecca overhears this and goes, Jacob, you need to get out of here. So she skedaddles Jacob out of here and says, go to my brother Laban. Just go to his house. He'll take care of you. You'll be fine. I don't want to lose you because <laughs> Esau's going to kill you. So he goes to his uncle Laban's house. And as he's there, he sees this beautiful girl. Her name is Rachel. It just so happens that Rachel is Laban's daughter. Now, it's kind of weird, but back in those days, people married their cousins. Don't ask me why. But uh, it was the cousin on his mom's side. So Laban's daughter is there, Rachel. Jacob's like, wow, she's amazing. And he wants to marry this woman. So he starts working for his uncle Laban, and Laban goes, hey, I probably should start paying you because even though you're my nephew, I need to pay you because you're working for me. Um, and Jacob goes, you know what? Don't worry about paying me. Let me just work for seven years, and my payment will be Rachel. That's what I want. And he's like, that sounds like a deal. I don't know what Rachel thought at that point. So he works for seven years to win Rachel's hand in marriage. And after seven years, it's the wedding night, and Laban kind of gives Jacob a dose of his own medicine and does a little switcheroo because Rachel has an older sister named Leah. And in that culture, it wasn't really right for the younger sister to get married before the older sister. And so dad slips Leah in and says, here's your wife. And Jacob's like, what? This is not the woman I want. I mean, Rachel's like way prettier. In fact, it even says that in the Bible. Um, and so he got snafu'd. And so now all of a sudden Leah's his wife. So he's like, dang. How about if I work for seven more years for uh, Rachel? Deal. So he has to work seven more years for his uncle to, to get Rachel as his wife. Then he works for, after that, he finally gets his wife. Um, and then he works for another six years tending Laban's flocks and that. And it's interesting because God's hand was on Jacob all along. Because he had nothing. He went to, to his uncle Laban's uh, place with nothing. And then um, Laban says, you know what? All of the blemished animals that I have, the sheep, the goats, um, the donkeys, whatever, all the blemished ones I'm going to start giving to you. Well, wouldn't you know it? that God kind of 
creates things to where all of a sudden all these blemished animals are being born. So Jacob starts acquiring quite the, the flock and quite the possessions. And back there, back then, kids and, and livestock were your possessions pretty much. So he starts amassing this. And uh, Laban's other sons uh, kind of start getting a little nervous, like going, Jacob is kind of getting to be this big dude with a lot of uh, possessions, a lot of animals, and he's starting to have kids. A couple things uh, about the kids. Um, Rachel at first couldn't have kids. She's super bummed because her sister, who's also married to Jacob, is spitting out the kids. And he, she's like, no way, this is not okay. So back then, each woman had their own handmaiden. Okay, I'm not really sure what their responsibilities were, but they had this handmaiden. So Rachel had this brilliant idea that says, hey, I'll have my husband sleep with my handmaiden, and then I can get um, a child. So he, uh, handmaiden starts sleeping with Jacob, starts getting some children. So they both start getting children, and Rachel still hasn't had her own. Um, and then Leah stops having children. Leah gives her handmaiden. So it becomes this, like, quite concocted deal for Jacob to start amassing children. So now he has 11, no, he has 10 sons, and he has one daughter, Dinah. Okay, so Jacob is massing this quite the tribe. Okay, finally, God gives Rachel a son. First son gives Rachel, and his name is Joseph. Some of you may have heard of Joseph. Uh, so now he has 11 sons. While traveling to Canaan later in the story, Rachel has a second son, and he has ben- she has Benjamin. That is son number 12. The number 12 is significant when it comes to Jacob's sons. As she's going into childbirth with Benjamin, um, Rachel dies. Sad story. So that completes his 12 sons. Um, like I said, God blessed him. Jacob decides, okay, it's time to skedaddle out of here because I'm kind of wearing out my welcome at Uncle Laban's house. So God tells him in a dream, says, you need to return to the land of your father, Isaac, and your grandfather, Abraham to the land of Canaan. You need to go back there. Well, at this point, he says, hmm, I think that's in the direction of my brother, Esau. That's a scary proposition. So this is kind of where we pick up the story. So he's got all of his sons, his one daughter, all of his flocks, his two wives, and then their handmaidens, and he's taken off. Um, part of the story is Laban comes after them, and they do this treaty thing to say, hey, we're going to leave each other alone. But anyways, he's getting ready to meet Esau for the first time in 20 years, uh, and he's scared to death because what was the last thing that he heard about his brother Esau? He's going to kill him. So he prepares all of these gifts to send ahead. So he, he prepares hundreds of animals 
to send on ahead as a gift to kind of sweeten the pot a little bit um, for his brother Esau. So he sends those on ahead. Um, then he divides his family into two groups because he's afraid, like, if one gets attacked, then the other one will be saved. So he's trying to prepare for this big meeting with Esau. And that's where we come in to today's scripture. Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 to 32. So during the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives, and his 11 sons and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them, it says 11 sons because Benjamin's born right after this. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all of his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of socket. Then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel, because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. <laughs> then it says, even today, the people of Israel don't eat the tendon near the hip socket because of what happened that night when the man strained the tendon of Jacob's hip. So this is one of the most intriguing, mysterious stories of the Bible. And it's about Jacob. How cool is that? So let's break down this story a little bit. So Jacob's on his way to meet Esau, right? He's got his tribe of children, okay? He's scared to death. He's scared to death of his brother because Esau is coming to meet him, and the last he knew, he wanted to kill him for stealing his, his blessing and his birthright. Esau's coming with 400 men, and I don't think he's thinking this is a welcoming party. I think Jacob's going, he's bringing his army to annihilate me. So that's when Jacob, like I said, he split up his household in two separate count, camps so that he doesn't avoid, so he kind of avoids complete annihilation. So right before that, Jacob prays this prayer in Genesis 32, 9 through 12. He prays this prayer. It says, Jacob prayed, O God of my grandfather Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, you told me, return to your own land and to your relatives, and you promised me I will treat you kindly. I'm not worthy of all the unfailing love and faithfulness you have shown to me. 
your servant. When I left home and crossed the Jordan River, I owned nothing except a walking stick. Now my household fills two large camps. O Lord, please rescue me from the hand of my brother Esau. I am afraid that he is coming to attack me along with my wives and children, but you promised me I will surely treat you kindly and I will multiply your descendants until they become as numerous as the sands along the seashore, too many to count. So this is Jacob's prayer right before he goes to meet Esau. And he's like, God, you promised me. You promised that if I go back to my land of Canaan where my family is, you'll protect me. In fact, you will make my descendants as numerous as the sands on the seashore, too many to count. So Jacob is probably suffering a little insomnia. He's a little freaked out because no doubt he is not only praying this prayer, but he's praying many prayers because he does not want to be annihilated by his brother. And he knows his brother is a serious hunter, outdoorsman, right? He can probably do some damage. So while he's on by, his, by himself in the middle of the night, he's thinking he's just going to get some alone time to kind of regroup, pray. What happens? All of a sudden, this weird contest, um, this strange man shows up, starts wrestling with him. Okay? He was just trying to chill out before the big, the big day. And this man shows up and starts wrestling with him. And in the middle of wrestling with this guy, Jacob realized, like, this is God. I'm wrestling with God himself. And now the, the theologians say that they think that this was like a pre-incarnate Christ. Like, this was like Christ visited Jacob in the flesh and wrestled with him all night. So God, as he's wrestling Jacob, decides, you know what? It's time to end this match, you know. It's almost morning for the big day. So Jay, so God goes, bink, and dislocates Jacob's hip. And you think that he would, that would be good, right? Okay, I can get away now. But Jacob's like, no, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. And it's interesting that... I think about, okay, if I was wrestling God himself, what would that be like for one? But God just injures my hip, and he's like, it's time for us to end this wrestling match. I just think the tenacity that Jacob has to grab, I don't know if he grabbed God's heel like his brother, but he's like, I'm not letting you go till you bless me. So, with that, God says, you know what? I'm going to bless you with a new name. Because I have a feeling that Jacob's name being the deceiver haunted him probably his whole life. And there's so many things about his life that was evident of that deceiver name. He says, I'm going I'm to call you Israel. 
And I love the what meaning of Israel. Israel means struggles victoriously with God. I just like that for the meaning of your name. My name means struggles victoriously with God. I don't know how many people have wrestled with God, but that's a big deal. And then I love this part too, where Jacob names the place Peniel, which means face of God. And he says, because I saw God face to face and he spared my life. Because usually when you see God face to face, your life is not spared. I mean, that is death because we cannot handle that much glory and power. So he leaves that wrestling match limping towards Esau, obviously at that point going, I can't help but have faith in God because not only am I weak in my body, but that had to strengthen his faith. That had to strengthen Jacob's faith that says, okay, I just wrestled with God and he changed my name. That's a big deal. And here's the coolest part of the story. The next morning, Jacob goes to meet Esau and guess what Esau's response was? He says, brother, ah, it's so good to see you. And he welcomes Jacob with open arms, welcomes him. He's like, who are all these people? He's like, this is the family and all my flocks that I've been blessed with. And Esau's like going, dude, bro, you're awesome. And he's like, you don't need to give me these gifts. Esau tries to refuse the gifts over and over again. And Jacob has to insist, no, take the gifts. So the complete opposite happens with this most, the scariest encounter Jacob has, completely turns out the opposite. And Jacob has changed forever. Now, what do we want to take away from this story? For one, it's so interesting to me how this story of God, or Jacob wrestling with God, is a summary of his life. Because he struggled his life. He struggled um, to prevail with Esau, He struggled to prevail with Laban, right? He had to kind of keep working to prevail. And now he's struggling with God. And what did he do to get a blessing? He tricked his brother out of of his father's blessing. But now he realized that the real blessing comes from God himself. So here's what I want us to take away from the story. Number one. When we take our fear and struggles to God, he will give us peace and blessing. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people and they just really describe their struggle with God like they're wrestling with God. They're like going, I'm just wrestling with God over this issue, over what's going on in my life, and I'm just wrestling, trying to figure out what is going on, and I don't understand it, and it's this... It's this battle, and sometimes we're afraid to take that because it's like we think that God can't handle it or something or that God doesn't understand. But I truly believe that if we allow ourselves to say, you know what, I'm going to struggle with God. I'm gonna, it's okay to be angry with God. It's okay to, um, to be confused, to not understand what God's doing. 
But in the midst of that struggle, it's going to be the same as with Jacob, that we're going to be blessed and we're going to have that peace. I love where Philippians 2, 12 and 13 says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. That's that's what it reminded me of. When I thought of that wrestling and that struggling with God, it's like working out our salvation with fear and trembling. It's that process that we go through. Number two, sometimes the comfort or whatever else we need comes in strange, unexpected packages. Now, that night, Jacob was freaking out, and he probably just needed lots of comfort. He just needed someone to hold him and say, Jacob, it's going to be okay. But what happened probably was the last thing he thought was going to happen. And I think that can be the case with us. Sometimes what we need or what we think we need, sometimes the answer to that, sometimes the, uh, what God gives us in response to that is strange and unexpected. And it's important to remember that, that sometimes we have this picture of what we need and how that's going to be delivered by God. But there's so many times that comes in different packages because God is working in so many different ways. And even though his answer to this prayer may be no, his answer to this may be yes. I remember one time I was working at a summer camp. I was the high school director and uh, one of our other leaders um, got sick, and we were just in the transition to get another batch of kids uh, for the camp. And all up until then, we had like max capacity. We had like 150 kids, and there was like three leaders, and it was like pandemonium. <laughs> and we're thinking, oh, geez, you cannot be sick right now. Like, we need you. And so we're praying, and we're at a Christian camp, and so we're thinking, oh, okay, our prayer is really going to be answered because, you know, we're working for God in this camp. So we're praying and praying and praying, God heal her, God heal her. She just never got better. So the next batch of kids comes, and there's like 50 kids. And they're like the best well-behaved kids that we had all summer. So the answer came in a very different package. He didn't heal her, but even when she was sick, she could handle that group of kids because it was so different. And I never forget that because it was, it was such so different than what we expected. And so I'll remember that sometimes the answer or what we need comes in strange, unexpected packages. Number three, sometimes things happen that God uses to increase our faith. Now, sometimes people say, God broke your foot because he wants you to sit around the house and pray more. Or God got you in that car accident because you're sinning too much. I don't think that's a part of God's character at all. Now, granted, God did dislocate Jacob's hip. And I do think he used that as a way for Jacob to rely you know, he knew that you were not going to be able to run away from your brother Esau. You're going to have to rely on me. But I think in our life, things happen. 
Things happen that are either out of our control or because we live in a fallen world. And it's important to know that God can use that stuff. God can use those things in your life to make a huge impact and to increase our faith because all we can do is rely on God. Number four, God wants to change our name as a way to bless us. I love this scripture in Revelation. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. I think this is what we're going to get in heaven. We're going to get a new name. And I love that idea of us receiving a new name. And I want to uh, play this video that is a great song. It's an old song. <laughs> it's kind of outdated. But the message, I want you to listen to the message because it so resonates with so many of us. song. I think so many of us do have these names that we label ourselves with. Uh, and I really truly believe that even though you may not have to wrestle with God to get a new name, God wants to give us a new name. God wants to give you that name of confidence or overcoming one um, or whatever it is that you need to believe about yourself to go to the the next season of your life or to overcome something. A couple more things uh, before I close that I want you to get out of this. Um, and I want you to be like Jacob. Number five, I don't want you to let God go until he blesses you. Because I believe God loves to bless that kind of tenacious faith. And I truly believe you'll be transformed by that. God wants us to say, 
I want your blessing to seek after that, to, to, to say, I want to be blessed. I want your blessing for my life. There's so many things God wants to shower on us. It says that his cup is overflowing. It says that he wants to bless us to where it's just we can't contain it. That's the kind of blessing that I want us to go after. And just pray and be tenacious. Grab on to God's heel and say, I'm not letting go. I'm, I'm going to seek you and find you until you bless me. And then the last thing I want is I want us to find our pineal. I want us to find that place where we see God face to face. I want us to have that place, whether it's an actual physical location, whether it's that time in your day where you say, this is my face time with God. This is my pineal where God and I meet face to face. Let me pray for us. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you so much for the story of Jacob and what we have to learn uh, from him. And I just thank you that you changed his name. You changed him from being this deceiver to being Israel, the man who struggles with you and prevails. And the fact that the, the tribe and the tribes of Israel today, those 12 sons of his that became the 12 tribes of Israel and the nation of Israel today, it still stands, is named after Jacob. It's so rich and it's so amazing to think about that rich blessing that you blessed him with. And truly, when you think of the nation of Israel today, that their descendants, Jacob's descendants, are larger than the sand of the seashore. We can't even count them. And Lord, we pray that as we seek you, we will find you, that you will bless us, that as we seek our face time with you, that you will meet us there and that you will touch us in a rich, rich way. And we pray your richest blessing on each and every person here. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.